Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Quartz 96 FM. Thank Crunchy, it's Friday, two weeks to the big day. This time, two weeks, the, the turkey will be in the oven. Children will have been up since quarter past two. In fact, they'll be lucky if one of them isn't in the oven with the turkey. It's two weeks to Christmas as of today. Good morning to you. 1850-715-996, the number. The text to WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. Among other things, this Friday morning, what would you do if you won the massive, mahoosive lot of jackpot that's coming up tonight, the Euro Millions, it's what, 200 million yoyos or something, capped at that. What would you do? Because there's a couple in the north of Ireland who've given away a small fortune since they won the lottery. Would you do that? Would you sort out everybody you know and then some? And if you had a, a whole pile of lotto money, who would you like to give at least... A chunk of it too. That's coming up. If you're following the Crown, and we're big fans of the Crown here on the programme, and indeed in Coogan Towers, massive fans of the Crown, you'll have seen the controversies over season four and the accuracy over how they portray the main characters, particularly Charles and Di. We'll be talking later to the man who knows those people better than most, to a, a commoner for want of a better term, who's been getting closer to them than most for many, many, many years. That's coming up a little bit later this morning. We'll find out just how accurate is the crown, because a lot of people saying it's not accurate at all, even if it is brilliant television, phenomenally good television. And today, of course, the centenary of the burning of Cork. And we'll be talking about that later on this morning as well. But good morning to you once again, 1850-715-996. Yesterday, I took a stunning phone call from Tom. Tom wanted to talk initially about the state of his council house where he's got a leaking radiator and he tried to contact the council to come out to fix the leak. And they waited so long before they came out to fix the leak, that his floors are ruined and his every towel in the house is destroyed and the house is damp and cold and smelly. And we talked about that and the council gave the usual bland response about not wanting to comment on individual cases, which doesn't surprise any of us in the least. But, but then Tom 
moved on from that um, to tell me about how he's got this room in his house where, where all his music is, all of his Elvis music is, and he won't go in there. And he won't go in there because since his wife died, he hasn't been able to go in there. And we talked about Tom's loneliness. He lives with his two adult daughters, both of whom have special needs. But his loneliness and facing into Christmas and missing his music, the music of Elvis Presley, his over 500 different records and CDs locked in a bedroom. And he told me, those that door stays locked and we chatted about his loneliness and he struck a chord with a lot of people uh, to do with loneliness. And he has someone that he talks to from alone. And we gave out their number, but uh, it prompted us to get in touch with Friendly Call Cork because that's the kind of work that Friendly Call Cork do. Uh, Brenda Barry, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. You talk That's to people like you. Tom every day. We do, we do. Um, I suppose, look, there's a lot of people, sorry, who are very lonely and isolated at the moment. Um, and we, we're ringing about 360 people every day just to check in and make sure they're okay and to have a chat, you know. Um, there's a lot of people who, who, who have family and who are still lonely and isolated or who don't have anybody calling and checking on them. Um, and just the phone call, it makes such a difference to people, you know. Yeah, Tom's story wouldn't be uncommon, would it? Not at all, no, no. And look, you know, it's not just the phone call, it's a bit of support about those maintenance issues or those, you know, referral, how do we find, a, you know, say a public health nurse or meals and wheels or, you know, there's something broken or there's something needs fixing. So we would work with, you know, our own team with Park City Partnership um, and we have the two work. So we would do like, you know, a couple of odd jobs for people where we could. We'd refer people on to Age Action. You know, I could send a referral to the council, to housing maintenance or to the HSE. You know, there's a lot of linking in what we do, really. It's, 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 it is most importantly about the chat and the support and a bit of empathy on the phone. But a lot of it really, you know, as well could be about pointing people in the right direction or helping them find things like... You know, I had a woman recently, she needed to get her medical card. She needed to change the address, you know. And it's all done online now, and it's very difficult. And I was able to do it for her. Yeah. You know, just to change, she moved house, and she needed to change her address on her medical card. Really important, you know. Yeah. Who runs Friendly no, Call Cork, Brenda? How is it so, funded? Yeah, so Cork City Partnership would be would be um, the, the the body that, that that looks after it. And Cork City Partnership would have, you know, the Social Inclusion Activation Programme through Pubble. And we would also have the local employment service and the two workplace. So Friendly Call kind of came, uh, started from funding, you know, from the Dormant Council years ago. And it, and it, it kind of grew from there. And really, it didn't really have any funding stream until uh, 2016. The, the HSE came on board and they give us uh, some funding every year. And Cork ETB are fantastic as well. They give us funding and we get some money from Cork City Council as well. How many and calls would you make in a day? Uh, we're ringing about 360, at the moment now, 360 people. Prior to... A March, day? A day. Wow. Five days a week. Five days a week. Uh, prior to March, it was about 220, you know. But when the shutdown came with COVID, you know, we, we were able to, upset, um, you know, to make that expanding service and stuff. Like we have all our volunteers where they used to come to our office before, they're now working remotely. Uh, we've provided a lot of mobile phones to people. So look, our costs have increased as well, you know. Um, we've trained that people... 
people are so good. We have some volunteers there on the phone since March, five days a week. You know, no problem ringing. Some people are ringing 10 people. Some people are ringing five, three or four people. Or some people are just ringing one person every day, five mm-hmm. days a week to check in, make sure they're okay. And then if they have any issues or any worries, they come back to me. Like, really, the service is working so well. You know, yeah, it's such a great like We're sending everybody Christmas cards. Uh, we put out a call out on Facebook for people to help with um, to make handmade Christmas cards yeah. and, and craft it. So we've had great response from from some schools, local schools called Padre Pio, and we also had from um, uh, School Vera there uh, in Wellington Road, and um, we had uh, people who who from all over the country actually saw it on Facebook, and we've got loads of cards in. So we've them posted uh, this week. They're, they're they're posted today, and uh, I think that would be lovely for people because you know we well even myself I wouldn't get that many cards in the post. So it's yeah. quite a nice uh, sentiment, you know. And right. it will include our contact number as well. So it's right. a great way for people to keep our contact number, and if they need anything, they can ring. And I'll get that off you in a minute, Brenda. Yeah. Has the has the pandemic increased the problem of loneliness? Oh, hugely. Or you know, in another way, I look at it and I say, like, we've come across some people that have come on since the pandemic and maybe they weren't aware of services that were available to them that have been lonely for years, but just didn't know where to turn. And maybe the pandemic maybe, you know, highlighted supports that people could get. But in other cases, you know, people's lives have completely changed. You know, people who, you know, we have a lot of people who used to go to town, go and have a cup of tea and have a wander around. And they haven't done that since March. You know, a lot of people haven't left their houses for fear. Yeah. We have other people who, you know, you know, we're trying to encourage people to go out and try and be as independent as you can and try and do your shopping. And, but just, you know, maintain social distance, wear your face mask and stuff. Mm. But look, some people, despite that, really don't want to take a chance, you know. Yeah. And a lot of people have, you know, underlying health conditions as well as age, you know. Um, against them when it comes to this virus, you know. So. I think for a lot of people, for a lot of those 300 and something people that you talk yeah. to me about, yours might be, or your volunteers might be, the only other human voice they hear in the day. Absolutely, absolutely. And and, and, people, and, and our, our clients will tell us that, you know, you know, my phone didn't ring since I spoke to you yesterday, you know. Like, not everybody has home help, obviously, or, you know, meals and meals. Some people are very independent, you know, and they don't want anyone calling to their house, so the call suits them. But we still might be the only person that they speak to from day to day. If someone wants to get a call from you or nominate someone to get a call from you, how do they go about it? Yeah, yeah. So either they could go, they could just ring um, 021 430 1700 or um, uh, my email is bbarry at partnershipcork.ie. They could go onto the Cork City Partnership website. All the information is there anyway. So it's uh, www.corkcitypartnership.ie. All right. Well, congratulations on the great work that you do uh, and long may it continue. That's Brenda Barry from Friendly Call Cork, which is exactly what it says on the tin. A friendly call, 430-1700, an 021 number is where you get in touch with them to set yourself up or bbarry at partnershipcork.ie, bbarry at partnershipcork.ie. The number, though, Oh two one four three zero one seven hundred eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. William says, "If I won that money, then a chunk would go to Cork Penny Dinners. I'd also buy the old Cork Prison and do it up there and then, and there'd never be a person 
on the streets of Cork again. This is the, the story of Frances Connolly and her husband Patrick. They won 65, they won 130 million euro on the lottery and they've given away 65 million of it to various causes. 50 close friends and family and then 175 families of total strangers uh, who they just gave them the money to buy a house or to pay off their mortgage. Like they won 114,969 114,969,775 pounds and 70 pence and they've given over half of it away. They celebrated themselves with a cup of tea. So if you won that kind of colossal amount of money on, say, Euro Millions, what would you do? Who would you give it to? You can keep half it for yourself, right? We'll let you keep half it for yourself. But, but what would you do with the other half? Like if it's 200 million is the lotto, Euro lotto, Euro Millions at the moment. So if you won 200 million, right, what would you do with 100? Who would you spend it on? Who would you like to spend it on? Well, and you can spend it on anything you want, right? You can spend it on anything you want. It doesn't have to be a charity. Do you know? If you want to buy the radio station and sack me, fine. Go ahead. Just pay me nice compo and I'm leaving. But what would you do with your 100 million to spare? If 200 million in the euro millions, what would you do with half it? 1850 Kiran would give 10 million to cancer research. Look after his children and buy a nice home with a pool room and a bar down in Ballybunion. You see? Up next, somebody we talked to a few weeks ago about the state of her council flat. There's been a bit of movement, not a lot, but some for Sam Barry. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. This is Court's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 0833969696. On Court's 96 FM. Now, after, or when I spoke to Sam Barry a few weeks ago, she had sent me photographs of the, the sheer state of her council flat down on Boring Manor Road. There was mould on the walls. There was mushrooms or strange-looking things growing out from every crack. There was a sign of damp. There was wood was rotten. She told me that the, the, the door was practically rotting off its hinges. Any movement since, Sam? Good morning. Good morning. Um, yeah, somebody did call, and they have made a list of repairs. So that I suppose that's a positive thing. Um, but they aren't going to clean the damp. They said that that's not their issue. To humour me, um, somebody did take the mushrooms off with a builder's trowel, but they said they don't have anyone that cleans the damp. That's not their issue. And they will start sometime in January. Don't call them. They'll call me. So what are they going to do, did they say? Uh, what did they put on their list? It did It did take some kind of stand on my ground. They did admit that the wall needs to be rebuilt where the leak was. And that there are other structural issues within the home that's causing this damp. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, I feel of like, oh, all homes have damp. And I had to ask straight out, like, do you think this is normal? And they had to admit, no, no, this is structural. Yeah. yeah. But as far as the mould is concerned, like, we are all actually seeing signs of a mould 
you know, and that's up to me to figure out hire somebody privately to... Because mould is dangerous. Mould is yeah. dangerous. And moreover, you have asked me yourself, don't you? Yeah, yeah I have asked my suppressed. And I explain this to them, why I cannot actually clean that wall. If the spores get into my lungs, I can get a very serious lung infection that I can struggle to fight because of my immunosuppression. Yeah. How do you yeah. feel about this, Sam, having to literally almost go on bended knee to get the place looked after by your landlord? I'm going to be honest, when they left the other day, I felt like somebody who'd been put back in their place. Oh. Yeah. What do you mean? I've uh, just been told not to call them, they'll call me, as in the racket that I've made is, you know, more than enough now. And it, it was it, that was a bit harsh for Did me. Did they give out to you about talking to people like me? No, no, no. Don't get me wrong there. It's just very much a, we're going to do it in our own time. It's going to happen. And then a refusal to do, to, to uh, look at the mould actually posing a threat to me, you know? As if I am, as if I'm over exaggerating a problem. Yeah. You know? Yeah, because, you know, what I suggest, if they don't... Yeah. Uh, ...would be that, well, you make even more noise after Christmas. I know that, I know that they've said that the wall does need to dry out on its own before they can start that, that particular work. But I don't see why it couldn't have been cleaned, the mould. Yeah. I know that a private landlord would have to do that. Um, I don't know why the other repairs, like the windows and doors that they mentioned need to be serviced, couldn't have started sooner, you know. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I don't understand fully, and I don't know when in January. So this could be the start, the end, do you know. Would you do something for me, Sam? Would you send me on the photographs again? And maybe yeah. even fresh ones, right? Okay. And I will do something for you off the air. I will send those to a chartered health and safety professional okay. that I know who will look over them. And I'll yeah. get an opinion for you. Okay. Would you do that for me? Yes, yes, I would. Because to leave you in that kind of a circumstance with your children and coming up to Christmas and to pretty much try to make you feel grateful for it. Yeah. And I mean, the kids as well, they are, they're, they're off school now at the moment. They, um, they got some sort of respiratory, it was a cold, but it was a bit more respiratory than it should have been. So the doctor ordered COVID tests and they're negative. So now I know like the mold is affecting us. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, because I, I saw the first set of pictures and, and I thought, that you can't live in that. You can't expect children to live in that. You can't live in, in that. That's, that's, that's a kip. Yeah. I'm sorry, and I, I, don't, I, don't I know it's your home, right. so I don't want to be casting his personal, no, no. but it's a kip, no. like, in it's fairness. It's embarrassing to put my home out there like that, but I didn't think it was important, you know? Yeah, and you're like you're a couple of weeks away from, from Christmas and you're going to the doctor because you're worried about your children. Yeah. You, you'll do all you can, I suppose, to, to make it right for them for the Christmas and to make it look lovely for them, won't you? Yes, yes. I mean, I even had, if I can't get a mould specialist, I did have a friend offer to come out and bleach the mould, but I am told that could also be risky. You know, she could release the spores, so it might be better untouched. Yeah, yeah. Mould is dangerous, Sam. You really need them to get to, and, and that, you're right, don't go near that yourself. That's, that's a specialised job. Yep. That's a specialised job, and I'm sorry, but as your landlord... 
they have to do that. If that happened in a private in a private house, in a private rented accommodation, the landlord is obliged to take care they, of it for you. They said they don't have anybody that does that. Well, like, go find somebody. Bloody then, town is full of them. Go find somebody, lad. Sorry. And then taking off the mushrooms, you see, I think was that active season. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You could quite, they could quite easily have released more spores by doing that. You know? I know, I hope not, I hope not. Look, we got a response from the City Hall uh, yeah. about Tom yesterday, uh, about the damp in, in his place from a leaking radiator that they just left him with for, for a week and a bit. And then I see your story in the paper and they gave... Cork City Council can't discuss individual cases. We're satisfied the housing section is taking all necessary measures in order to address any issues arising, and in particular those that are direct responsibility of the Cork City Council. So that's what they sent to you. Well, what they sent to us about Tom was, Cork City Council cannot discuss individual cases. We're satisfied the housing section is taking all necessary measures in order to address any issues arising, and in particular those that are direct responsibility of Cork City Council. The same thing. Same thing. Same thing. Yeah. Send me those photos. Actually, what you do, Sam, send them if you would to PJ at ninety six fm dot ie. Just send them to okay. my own my own work address here, and I'll have something. Now, it might take a while. He's a busy man, but I'll, I'll have him look at them for you and get an opinion. Thank you. Thank you so much. No bother. You take care of yourself now and look Thank after you. yourself coming up to Christmas. Thank you. Cheers, Sam. Happy Christmas to you. 1850-715-996. It's not something that I could offer to just everybody, but I, I know someone who would be very interested in seeing those photographs. And I will ask one question of this person. Is it safe for a mother and her children to be living in those circumstances? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 996. On Cork's 96FM. Sam was kind enough to say that it's because of the noise she made talking to the likes of me, you know, us journalistic scum, talking to the likes of me and talking to the papers. It's because of that that she seems to make some progress. Well, we'll try and make some more for her because you can't leave her in that that situation. Coming up, some good news for people we were talking to earlier in the week that were very worried about the future of their club. The news is much better. First of all, though, your last chance this morning to win with us and our friends at Corrib Oil. We've three 500 euro Corrib Oil gift cards to give away today around 5 to 12. It's a perfect practical gift for anyone this Christmas. Corrib Oil, of course, is your local low-cost home heating oil supplier. They're available at corriboil.com or on Station Road, Ballancolleg. We're playing quotes all week from well-known Christmas movies. Playing them a couple of times. I want you to guess the movie. Give us your name and the name of the movie to 083 396 96 96. Friday's one is probably the easiest of the week. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Santa here? I know him. I love that movie. You've seen it, I don't know how many times. What a great film. What is it, though? Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Santa here? I know him. 
What is the movie? 083 396 96 96 and give us your name as well. We'll draw a qualifier for Friday about quarter to 12 and then our winners, three winners. So three of our five winners will walk away today with 500 euro worth of carob oil for Christmas. Do that at the end of the show. Before I go to Claire, quick one. You might have met in car parks or near shopping centres or anywhere in the last few days. He's back in town, lads. He's back in town. A fella selling knives out of the back of his car. Got a call last evening from a friend of mine who has reported him to the guards because he thinks there's something suspicious. But he's selling knives in a car park, claiming to be giving you the greatest bargain of all time. Have you come across him? Not saying anything. He could be a very genuine salesman. But my friend just wasn't particularly... (laughs) Wasn't impressed, shall we say, by the sales patter. And he's reported him. And he's given a car registration number to the guards. Have you come across this? This guy selling knives. Aldi car park. And a couple of places down around Glenmire, apparently, he's been seen. 1850-715-996. I talked earlier in the week with the nice people at Acro Gymnastics, Cork Acro Gymnastics Club. Claire Sheehan, you were desperately worried. You're not as worried as you were. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. We have had just the most phenomenal response to our appeal. You set up a GoFundMe just to keep the doors open. We did, uh, with a target of €6,000 to try and get us through the the next couple of weeks into the early 2021. And as of early this morning, the fund stands at €6,250, which has just taken so much pressure off us. I'm just looking at it here in front of me now, the GoFundMe page, €6,250 from 87 different donors. Mm-hmm. And we've had, you know, PJ, we've had donors who were past members 25 and 30 years ago who made <sighs> donations and some lovely comments to us about their memories in the club. We've had donations in from a member who's living in Singapore, Scotland, members oh. up and down the country. It's just been... Such an emotional roller coaster the last couple of weeks. That's fantastic. This, this week now has just been the icing on the cake for it. It's just been absolutely wonderful. Because trying to just keep the lights on and the place warm and the doors open, that That's was an issue five days yeah. ago. Absolutely. We've had been closed for so long and we don't know what's coming ahead of us. But we're, you know, we, we'll be able to pay our bills to the end of the year and into the, the start of next year, which. You know, it just means that we can keep the doors open, we can keep the smiles on the faces. And how many people are members and how many people use your facilities in good times? In good times, we've had up to 600 members coming in every week from what we call our wobblers and toddlers. They start with you know, walking age yeah. um, right up to late teenagers. And most of our late teenagers come back to us and help out as coaches. So we've just a mix of ages all the way up along, boys and girls mm. um, of all levels. And you do ages. something very special, remind us again, for people with additional needs. We run what's called our Gym Able programme. It's a Gymnastics Ireland-funded uh, programme. And it's for children with uh, challenges, with different abilities. So we have a class for children who have physical disabilities and also a class for children with intellectual and sensory 
difficulties. And I know that while everybody is important, it, it was those people you were particularly worried about being able to continue to give a service to them when you can open the doors again. That's it. We've adapted gymnastics so much to include all the children and we just would worry particularly about the children in our Gym Able programmes that if the club closed, what club can they go to next or how will they keep up their their fitness, just even the the joy of being part of our club. Yeah. And it, it is a big pride for them to be members of our club and they absolutely love coming in and we love coaching them. Yeah. Well, well I know how worried you all were when you spoke to me earlier in the week and to hear the relief in your voice this morning is great. Oh, I'm, I'm a different woman today. <laughs> We're just absolutely blown away by people's generosity. Yeah. And yes. We have, you know, we have a few things now that people have come to us uh, in the last couple of weeks and said, you know, I'd like to donate a painting. I have a signed uh, book by Katie Taylor that I'd like to donate to the club for a raffle, gift hampers. Um, we've had one of our members uh, raffle one of her own uh, newly attired on Instagram and raise 160 euro oh, for from a nine-year-old child. Oh, that's fantastic, we, isn't it? We have uh, an online Zoom magic show uh, coming up for the club um, on December 20th by yeah. magician uh, David Peace. Oh, Dave, he's good. He's good. And we have Steve Spade uh, from Limerick and they're going to do a joint uh, magic show. We said it's Brilliant. something our members can uh, enjoy from the comfort of their own home oh, while fundraising for yeah, the club. I might so. even watch that myself. That'd be great. Well, well, there you are. Tickets are available on Eventbrite, PJ. Very good. <laughs> All right. Listen, Claire, delighted for yeah. you. And delighted for you. Thank you so much to yourself for highlighting it for us and to the examiner office as well without all the public uh, mentions and that it would have been much more difficult. It just absolutely snowballed for us after all the publicity. So thank you so much to everybody involved. We're, we're delighted to have played even a very small part in it. Claire Sheehan from Cork Acro Gymnastics Club, saved by the generosity of donors on GoFundMe. When I talked to them earlier in the week, they literally were looking at closing down because they didn't have the cash in hand to get through the winter and into the new year. Now they do. Now they do, thanks to GoFundMe. Thanks to people like you, if you donated to them. Currently stands at 6,250. If you want to put another couple of bob in their bucket, you can go to GoFundMe.com and look for Cork Acro but uh, they've got their money now. They're delighted. 1850-715-996. On Sam, uh, Paddy says, Good morning, PJ. Couldn't that woman find someone herself to get the job done and just forward the bill to the landlord or the council? There's a problem with that, Paddy. There's a couple of problems with that. First of all, those kind of services are expensive and Sam may not have the money to do it. Secondly, uh, I don't think you'll get too many arrangements working just like that, that you do the job and forward the bill to the council. I, I don't think it works like that. It should, but it doesn't. The knife the knife seller, he's well known to us on Barrack Street. He's been selling knives for years. We bought two sets, but warning, he came to our house a short while after. He asked for my husband, who wasn't home. It turned out he met my husband 30 minutes before he knew he wasn't here. Ah, <laughs> What was going on there? 
1850715996. Asking you to think about what you'd do if you won a colossal amount of money on the lottery. We're thinking about that couple from the north of Ireland who won phenomenal money. They won like 113 million pounds and they've half it given away to various charities and friends and just pure perfect strangers. They walked into people and said, do you want money on this house? Yeah, you don't anymore. That's the kind of thing they've been doing. So if you won the colossal amount of money on the Euro Millions, which I think is 200 mil this weekend, and we let you keep half it. That's fine. Keep half it for yourself. But what would you do with the other half? It's just a bit of fun for Friday. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about money lenders on the programme um, because some of the rates that can be charged by even legitimate money lenders, and there are legitimate licensed money lenders out there, but the rates that they're allowed to charge are just colossal. And and once again the plea goes out every single year, please do not use a money lender to get yourself through Christmas or out of trouble because you're only getting yourself into more trouble. Try to have a good relationship with your credit union for example. And if you run into real trouble, there's a place called MABS that you can contact. The Money Advice and Budgeting Service. Their manager in Cork is Ursula Collins. Ursula, good morning to you. Hi, good morning PJ. You can't overstress that. Don't try to get yourself out of trouble through a money lender. You're only getting into more. Yeah, I suppose um, your your point is well made. Um, money lenders would fall into to two categories. Um, you have licensed money lenders, um, such as online shopping cards, credit cards, etc., that will be licensed through the central bank. And then you would have illegal money lenders. Um, so certainly you would want to uh, advise um, the illegal money lending. Um, and if that has been something that you utilised in the past, then we would say to you, contact MAPS. Um, we can look at maximising your income if you're on a low income uh, or if you're on benefits. And we can look at how we can maximise that for you so that you don't have to resort to illegal money lending. Some people are caught kind of in that trap where they can't access credit. Maybe they've had difficulties with loans in the past. Um, you know, circumstances have yeah. arisen and they haven't been able to keep up the payments. It happens. Um, as we know, we were only out of kind of the last recession and things were picking up for people when the pandemic hit. So particularly this year, you know, with all the best will, people have gone into difficulties. Um, so we would say to contact us, we can help you um, and take it from there. Yeah. Someone comes in and they've got a pile of debts. They've got, you know, children that need a Christmas and bills yeah. that they need to pay. And they're saying to you, like, the money never covers. Like, yeah. let alone making, as, as, as a friend said to me one time, let alone making ends meet, if I could even yeah. get them to wave at one another to be nice. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So, so what it. kind of things can you do? Like, can you intervene with a bank that's giving a person a hard time? We, we can. Um, I suppose we are a free, confidential service and we're available to everyone, someone who's in debt or who's in risk, uh, at risk of getting into debt. Okay, so we provide a very broad range of services, everything from mortgages to um, if you have a credit uh, credit card debt or if you've gone into difficulties with online store cards, 
um, they would have, you know, very high interest rates as well. Yeah. And some people kind of look at them as, a, as an option. Um, and now the central bank did uh, in June of this year um, make it mandatory for all what we call those high cost loans, which would be anything over 23% mm-hmm. interest charged, which is huge, you know, in any case. Um, that they would have to not advertise um, uh, proactively to people. Okay, so they've cut the amount of advertising that that the uh, those companies can do, and if their loans are very high cost, they have to really state that very clearly. All yeah. right, but broadly, your online store cards, your credit cards will be in that category because that's not something you would sort of think about. No, and that's why I kind of highlight it really because people don't, and it's often, as you said, when people are trying to make ends meet, they're trying to think about how can we, you know, manage towards the present. Oh, I know, I'll use the online online uh, store card I'll order everything and I won't have to worry about it till January you know which is fair enough you know we've all had a tough year Um, I suppose what we'd be saying to people is you know set a budget for Christmas try to stick to it look at what are the essentials you know what do I really want to make sure we can do this Christmas Um, you know agree maybe with family members about things like you know is a secret Santa a good idea you know there isn't a family in the country that hasn't been impacted um, either economically or um, uh, with health issues due to in in this year particularly you know has the pandemic brought more people to your door Ursula? Um, at the moment, we have seen um, a small increase in some areas, but overall a reduction. And we think that this is largely because of the measures put in by the banks and by the government, which yeah. we would you know, welcome and you know, the moratorium um, on mortgages. But we would uh, highlight that there were 36,000 people in the country availed of the mortgage moratorium. Yeah. So that means that you didn't pay your mortgage for six months. Okay. Yeah. And the fact that you didn't pay it just means that it goes on to your debt and you either have to extend the term of your mortgage or you have to increase your payments. Yeah. So that's where you're at with that. So you're kind of pushing it down the line and I suppose that's fine as, as a, a short-term measure. But again, what we would say to people is come to us. We can look at your situation. It's free. It's confidential. We can discuss how to maximize your income. If you're on a low income, there's lots of things like the family benefits package that we can look at. Um, if you're a lone parent, um, we could look at, you know, even if you were working part time, you could still retain all your benefits and significantly increase your income. Yeah, because these are things people don't necessarily know about until exactly. they need to, and then they're yeah. pa- they're 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 panicked and they're yeah. not reading properly and not taking it in. Exactly, because it's very stressful, you know, getting demands and getting low, uh, you know, or you know, having people banging on the door, you know, looking for debts to be paid. You know, that's extremely stressful after yeah. an already stressful year. You which, know? which leads me to a question, and Mabs is a major organization, a national organization yeah. now, yeah. and if, for example, I were to come to you uh, needing help with, for argument's yeah. sake, a loan on which I am behind, yeah. and the institution is putting me under pressure, yeah. will having you in my corner and the organization to whom I own the money uh, lo- know that you're in my corner, can that yeah. help to take the pressure off? It will. Um, we have established protocols for engagement with these all the um, licensed credit 
um, companies in the country, the banks, uh, the, you know, store utilities, utility companies as well. And we would talk to, you know, the head of the Banking Federation, Brian Hayes, the central bank heads, etc., on a regular basis. Okay, to highlight any issues. And sometimes that we're highlighting issues with particular institutions. Okay, and I won't go into that now because that wouldn't be appropriate. But we do that. All right. So we have. So if someone someone listening is thinking of of going to you, be assured that once mags or mags, once mabs have taken on your case, they will be able to take the pressure off with certain people. We will. And we will persist. You know, I suppose, you know, we have established protocols. We we will engage the majority of institutions. You know, we are a trusted partner. It's in our interests and their interests that we find an, an arrangement, a financial arrangement to deal with the debt that's suitable to both parties. Okay. How can so people get in touch, Ursula? Um, the national helpline is on 0761 07 2000. Okay. Let me give you that um, one back. Oh seven six one oh seven two thousand. That's right, and that's a standard rate call. Now we're also on Twitter and Facebook. We have a national um, website as well, so that's mabs.ie, M-A-B-S dot I-E. On Facebook, you can send us a message and we'll respond to you. And if, uh, and again, all confidentially, um, and if I could just highlight um, and just uh, give a big uh, congratulations to our staff uh, this year who got a gold award for um, their engagement on Facebook for their responsiveness. Good on so them. that's a great one. And that's one that we've really had to develop this year as a response to COVID where we had to limit the numbers of people coming into the office. All right. So just to congratulate our staff as well on that and thank them for a great year's work. Okay. Well, I know, I, I know. In difficult circumstances. Yeah. I know <laughs> someone who worked in one of your offices at, at some time so told me quite an amount about how you operate and, and it's a great service that you provide. That's Ursula Collins Manager of MABS um, 0761 if you need help. MABS.ie is their website and they're on Twitter and on Facebook. They'll meet you they'll talk to you, they'll help you to plan, they'll help you to deal with those to whom you owe money and They'll put you right. They'll set you down the right road. 1850-715-996. Quick mention for a good friend of mine who celebrates his birthday today and one of the finest entertainers in Cork and so sad to see him and so many more entertainers off the road and that is Lounge Man, the loungy Conor O'Shea celebrates his birthday today. Can't wait to see you doing what you do soon, mate. Happy birthday. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Quartz 96 FM. 1850-715-996, the number to call. Text to WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. Twitter at opinionline96. The hashtag OL96. And the Facebook, the Quartz 96 FM Facebook page. And mark your attention, uh, or mark your message rather, for the attention of the opinion line. And as we come closer to Christmas, and I'll remind you of this many times as we head there, uh, while the show will be off the air over Christmas, we finish on Christmas Eve with our Christmas Eve special. We're back live on the 4th of January. While the show itself will be off the air, two things will be happening. One, we'll have the Christmas Rewind show uh, between Christmas and New Year for an hour every morning. And also the opinion at 96mem.ie email 
will be accessible to you throughout the holidays if there's anything you need to bring to our attention. So write it down and keep it safe. Companies and individuals across Ireland are being urged to take up a free course on suicide prevention. And don't we hear so much about... You know, being able to spot the signs, being able to see someone that you know or someone that you work with or someone that you love and recognize the danger signs. Because, and how many hours of conversation have we spent upon this over the years where people say, oh, I never knew or oh, there wasn't a sign or oh, there was no indication whatsoever that this was going to happen. And for a lot of us, it's hard to understand that there was a sign. There actually was a sign. But you didn't see it. There's no blame to you that you didn't see it because you're not able, you're not trained to see it. But the more of us that learn the skill of seeing and the skill of maybe you know, to, uh, getting someone to talk about where they are, the better. Sue Carty is a specialist mental health practitioner and she's uh, the former Women's Development Manager for World Rugby. Sue, you're behind this programme. Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Delighted to have you on the air. It's It really is the thing, isn't it, that there are signs, but but we don't know how to spot them. And if we could learn how to spot them, we could save people. Yeah, thanks, uh, thanks, PJ. And I, I think it's important, like what you said there, in terms of you know no blame or anything, anything like that. And I think it's a very difficult place that sometimes people find themselves find themselves in. Um, and really, you know, we we launched a, a training yesterday, um, right to what you're you're speaking to, Ohana Zero Suicide. Um, and, and, and our tagline is like, show you care, ask the question, make the call. Um, and in the training, it's a free online training. It takes about 20 minutes, maybe up to 40 minutes, you know, depending on your technical skills and take the time to go, to go through it. But it's a, but it's a short training. Um, and, you know, sometimes we might find ourselves in a position where, you know, we might like, well, is that person okay? Yeah. Like, they don't seem to be themselves. And, you know, you might not know what to say or you might like, well, maybe I'm interfering or, like, I hope they talk to someone. You know, you might find yourself with a concern and not sure what to do about it. Yeah. Um, and this training really gives you um, somewhere to start, you know, and, and, uh, and an opening for that conversation. Um, whether it's with somebody in your work or someone in the family or it could be like a stranger you happen to meet and you could just be the perfect person to make that difference for that person and have them reach the per- you know the resources or the support that they that they need yeah um and, and simply put that's the that's the idea of the training because Sometimes, you know, it's like, well, you definitely talk to somebody if you're struggling, if you need anything. Absolutely talk to somebody. Um, but you could be that person that just makes the difference in supporting someone get the help they need. Yeah. Because reaching out to get the help when you're struggling can be really hard. Sometimes you don't know what to say or you don't know who to say it to. Yeah. And the next thing, you're that person just to bring that 
bridge, if you like. Yeah. Um, you yeah, say, show yeah. you care, ask the question, make the call. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, you notice that that person seem, doesn't seem themselves. Like, you reach out to them. You mm. can say it to them. Um, but there's some really, like, nice role plays within the training that give you, gives you a sense of how you might approach that yeah. or how you might open the conversation and what you and what you might say um, so that you've that opening. So like you're you're showing you care, you're asking questions. It could simply be, you know, you don't see yourself the last the last while. Um, yeah. So it gives you some simple places to, to start. Yeah. Um, and you're supporting that person making the call for help, like where they actually get the help or the resources that they that they need. And and so isn't it important as well to gear yourself up for well you might ask the question, are you okay? And you might be rebuffed, sometimes rudely. But you've asked the question, you've started a thought process in that person's head. Yeah, totally, totally. Like immediately that person knows you care. And you might get you know, you might get whatever reaction and actually one of the role plays deals with that. Like the reaction of like, I'm fine, what you know. And it, it shows you how, you know, how you might respond to that. Um, and that's, um, and that's fine. You know, it's mm. like acknowledging it and, um, being with the person. Say, well, you know, you just, and you can say, well, you know, there, you, you can just share with them. You don't seem yourself or whatever might be going on. And it gives you some examples of how you might, how you might manage that in a situation like that. So the role plays do give you a sense of that where you might be, you'll be less concerned about what the reaction of the person might be. I see. So it'll, it'll teach you to understand the reaction. You have a lot of people endorsing this video. So one of them happens to be a dear old friend of mine, uh, Eilish O'Carroll. Eilish, good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? How are you, sweetheart? Are you well? I'm very well, PJ. Really well. Lovely to hear your voice. It's been too long. It has indeed. It has indeed. <laughs> you, you, you've watched this video. You see this course. It's, it's a good one. Oh, absolutely. I am. I, I took the training course myself, which I would recommend everybody take, um, because although I would, you know, assume that I might be a pretty. I am a pretty caring person, but what I wasn't aware of is that there's times when I'm actually afraid to ask the question, right? Yeah. Now, I'm not afraid to show I care, but sometimes in this training, it shows you how to teach you how to ask the question. And I think we don't. I think for most of us, we all go around and you say to somebody, how are you? You say, actually, I'm grand. I, and I'm famous for doing that when I'm not grand at all. Yeah. Right. And and you know, and if you've you know you've got a friend or a family member who you know hasn't been themselves, it's just to get that moment of opportunity and say, Listen, are you okay? Yeah. Right? And if they say, Well I'm grand and just say, Well I'm just a little bit I'm just you know, I'm not being nosy. I just, I just care about you. Yeah. You yeah. know, and if there's anything you want to talk about, I'd be happy to sit down and have five minutes with you or whatever. Yeah. You know, it, it can happen quite organically. But the course makes the individuals, the community, I love the, the, the concept of, of, of Ohana because it actually is bringing it down to grassroots community people yeah. who, you know, may have a neighbor next door or an auntie or whatever, friend, relative, um, that, that, that they're concerned about. And they're actually... Afraid to be nosy, 
yeah. because they're considered nosy. Just just swallow your fear about that because I'd rather be rejected now from the point of view and I'd rather be told, hey, you're, you're just too nosy. I don't want to talk than actually show that I don't actually care. Yeah, yeah. And, and the I video think, you know, is free and, and easily accessible. And it's easily accessible. It's very free. And it is a bit of an eye-opener because there's a few things I, I wouldn't have been aware of. And, and it just, but one in particular was, you know, really ask the question. You know, if, if your friend does say, or your family member does say, look, I'm, I'm actually really, really depressed, mm. right? And, and to ask that question, are you, are you, have you considered suicide? Are you thinking, is that, have you suicidal thoughts? And I think sometimes that brings the, the, yeah. the, the individual some relief because, you know, they might just say, yeah, yeah. I I'll bring Sue back in there for a second, Eilish, because, you know, that's the kind of thing, Sue, that you'd be saying in the back of your mind, Jesus, don't ask that question. Don't ask that question, don't, because you're putting it into their mind. Yeah, yeah. And it, 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 it's, uh, it's very true, PJ. And look, it's a difficult conversation to have, mm. you know, and it's a... Uh, it's a it's a big concern to have about somebody, and you know we don't want to skip over that either. Yeah. But what the training gives you is it gives you a way to have the conversation in a way that really you're you, you know how to ask the question. It doesn't put something in somebody's head. It doesn't put it in their head. Yeah, that's what I think people are afraid of that it will yeah. put it in their head. Totally, totally, and that's like based on evidence and research and and and, and all of that. Um, and at the same time, it's really important that, you know, we have the conversation in a way that makes a difference. Yeah. Um, and that we ask the question in a way that, you know, the, like whoever that person is, they're able to answer in a you know, way that you can support them and, yeah. you know, have them get the resources that they um, that they need. It's been um, a very difficult year, Eilish. I suppose there are a lot of people would be suffering with mental oh, health that didn't this time last year. There you go. And I, and I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, the lockdown for me, the second one has been extremely difficult for me on a, on a, on a mental health level from the point of view of, you know, uh, I, I've been very frustrated. There's times I've felt terribly isolated. Mm. I, I miss totally, like everybody else, I miss being tactile with people. I miss not being able to give somebody a hug. Yeah. You know, and, and and that can make you feel so, you know, good inside when somebody comes along and, and if you're feeling a bit down to be able to put their arms around you and, or, you know, and say, come on, you know, I'm here for you. I'm with yeah. you. Yeah. We're all going through, you know, and I think it really is. And it's not only that, um, PJ, it's about the future as well. Yeah. Right. And people are concerned, not just with the pandemic, but what does the future hold for us? And, and you know, so there's an awful lot in the mix there. People living on their own, people who have to spend Christmas on their own this year because families can't get home to them. Um, and yeah, that's that's not good for anybody's mental health state. No, no, so I, I mean, think, you know, we should yeah. probably all watch this this video and, and just take it Absolutely. in and, and take, take the... it in and just just be aware. Yeah. You know, and no. and also if we're if you're feeling it, you know, it, hopefully it will encourage people to talk about it. We do not talk about depression in this country. Yeah. Right. We don't. We don't. It's like, you know, um, 
you know, we all know somebody who suffers from depression, don't we? Oh, yeah. my friend, she's, you know, she can be very depressed, but she's okay at the moment. But we don't actually really talk about it like we would talk about any other condition that we might be suffering no. from. No, it, it's, it's right? not as easily talked about as your bad it's back. Not, no, it's, a, it's and it should be discussed, in my opinion, in a very matter-of-fact way. But, but I haven't said that. It's very hard. Of course it is. For people to say, I'm not feeling the best. Yeah. Mentally. Well, you know, maybe we can watch this video and, and learn from it and hopefully put it into practice with, with those we love and we care about. Sue, I'm going to leave you there and thank you. Eilish, stay with me for one more minute. Uh, Sue Carty from Ohana Zira Suicide, leaving you there. Eilish, stay with me yeah. because one of the things that, that will certainly lift me and I know thousands of others over Christmas is Mrs. Yes. Brown's Boys. You're back again. Oh, we're back again. And, I mean, we were so fortunate to get it done, PJ. Yes. Because it wasn't, you know, we didn't know really if it was going to happen until the week before it happened. And then there were so many restrictions. It was like recording it in, in the Twilight Zone. There was no was audience more, this year, no? No, there wasn't. Um, you know, and of course that, that was kind of, oh, well, we missed that. But we actually, of course you miss the audience. Everybody does. But, you know, we thought it wouldn't happen because there'd be no audience. But no, they said, no, let's go ahead with it. Let's do it. Um, so, and it certainly lifted my spirits, I have to tell you. Good. And we I think had, it's topical as well. Of course it would be topical. And it is topical. And, um, but it, it is just, it is a belly laugh, okay? Good. And right. it's, it's really, you know, and I'm saying that and I'm in it, but I actually... No, it, it always is. And, and, and you know what we really missed this year, Eilish? And I missed seeing you and, and having a drink and a catch-up with you. We really missed I you know. guys at the Marquee. If the Marquee happens in 2021, will you be back? Oh, God, I'd be back. Absolutely. Hopefully, fingers crossed, it will happen. Yeah. But again, as, as I was saying earlier on, nobody knows what the future holds no. from the point of view of what's actually going to come back and be the so-called norm. Yeah. Um, but in the meantime, you know, um, we just, you know... <laughs> Send a prayer out there to the universe that we'll all be back doing what we all love right. doing. Listen, look after yourself and please send my personal greetings to Brendan and the whole team. I will indeed. Take care, PJ, and have a Cheers. lovely Christmas. Happy Christmas, okay. darling. That's Irish Carol, the great Irish Carol Winnie from Mrs. Brown's Boys and endorsing that video, which you can find at ohana.ie. And if you've been affected by anything we have been discussing in the last few minutes, Pieta are at 1-800-247-247 and the Samaritans are at 116-123. And say what you like about Mrs. Brown and people give out yards about Mrs. Brown but I'll tell you one thing, it'll be on loud and it'll be on bright and clear in Coogan Towers. And we'll probably watch it three or four times. Looking forward to that. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Do you want to hear the most 2020 showbiz story? Go for it. You know the singer Meatloaf? Yeah. Meatloaf's gone vegan. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, wonder really call, he's going to call himself Nut Roast now, isn't he? Isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I always thought his music was corny. Casey and Ross in the morning with Noel DC Cars Blackpool celebrating the arrival of the new Skoda Octavia. Book your test drive now at noeldc.com. Exclusively Skoda in Cork City. Cork's 96 It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. 
feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850 715 On Cork's 96FM. John has been on to say that he thinks it's insensitive of us that I now plan to talk about the crown uh, when the burning of Cork was 100 years ago today. Well, you know what, John? We'll talk about both of them. We'll talk about the burning of Cork towards the end of the programme today. But now we're going to talk about The Crown because it is the biggest television show in the world at the moment. uh, With millions and millions of viewers. And it's a little bit controversial, but not for the reasons you're thinking, John. Not for the reasons you're thinking. I appreciate you think we shouldn't have the two of them on the one show. But you know, a lot of people will watch an episode of The Crown this Friday night. And they may be asking themselves questions about the accuracy of us. Your Majesty, I think we have enough respect for one another personally to ask ourselves some of the bigger questions. Woman to woman. We are the same age after all. Really? Just six months between us. Oh? And who is the senior? I am. Ma'am. Two women running the shop. That's the last thing this country needs. Perhaps that's precisely what this country needs. My goal is to change this country from being dependent to self-reliant. And I think in that I am succeeding. Joblessness, recession, crises. It's a dangerous game to make enemies left, right and centre. Not if one is comfortable with having enemies. Are you? Oh, yes. One day, dear boy, you shall be king. Your duty now was the choice of a woman the people will love as a princess and in due course as queen.
journalist and his family make the same mistake. I am the shadow. Paying the consequences each time. Of nothing in particular. All I want is to be loved. It's all any of us want from you. What does one have to do to get some kindness in this family? In time, she will give up her fight and bend. Yes, they all do. And if she doesn't bend, what then? She will break. It's remarkable production. The acting is stunning. The production sets. It's just a marvellous piece of television. But in recent weeks, the UK Culture Secretary has said they would write to Netflix and request a health warning before the Crown so that people are aware it's a work of fiction. And there's been quite a lot of controversy, particularly around the relationship between Charles and Di and the relationship between Charles and Camilla. And well, we all know what happened afterwards, but, but looking back at that particular point in time, how accurate is it? Well, one man who'll know better than most the accuracy is Arthur Edwards for over 40 years, royal photographer with The Sun, and uh, of course a man with strong core connections. We've talked to him before. Arthur, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Delighted to talk to you again. Arthur, apart from being a superbly made piece of television, is it accurate in your memory? No, not at all. In fact, um, I refuse to watch this series because, quite honestly, it's uh, the way it uh, predicts predicts that the Prince of Wales um, is just appalling. I mean, Prince of Wales is not that sort of a person. He's a kind, decent man. And, he, you know, I covered most of the 17 years of Diana. And I went on all those tours. And that first tour to Australia, which they show in the, in the programme, they were so in love on that trip. There was no screaming and shouting there were no tears on that trip they were they just couldn't keep their hands off each other they were so much together so much uh, as one and uh, and, it, and it just upsets me to see the prince of wales depicted like that because you know the prince of wales after the divorce uh, was probably the most uh, hated man in britain because everybody thought he'd done the dirty on die and the fact that we shared on television and said there's three people in this marriage well yeah. You know, we know there was about five or six in that marriage because uh, Diana had several affairs. Yeah. You, you toured with them. You, you, you got as close as, as anyone can to them on a tour, on a tour like that. The portrayal in the series is that the relationship was doomed to failure from day one. Did you think no. that? No, not at all. I was there. I saw them holding hands. I saw them calling each other darling. And at one stage, in New South Wales in Maitland, they were holding hands, looking into each other's eyes, and just you knew that they were totally... Uh, they were an engagement with lots of people in this big park, but they were only... They had eyes for each other. They wasn't interested. They only wanted to be with each other. I saw that. I saw the way they were touching each other all the time. I saw that they were... And, you know, they looked um, so much like they were in love. And... Um, you know, some of the programs that have been shown that, you know, that they, they were unhappy, I don't believe any of it. I, I was there, I I know, I know the Prince of Wales, and I know, you know, and, and I hope when they when this program goes on and shows that he's had 15 brilliantly happy years married to Camilla, you know, none of that's mentioned, the fact that he's, you know, a thousand kids he saved from the scrap heap on the Prince's Trust, the fact that he's spoken out without fear or favour about 
homeopathic medicine, organic food, poor architecture. And then the man is just a visionary and, uh, and you know, having worked with him and worked with him closely, I mean, literally closely, long yeah. personal conversations with him, he is a decent, kind man. Yeah, yeah. He, he comes across in the programme, uh, Arthur, as being a very troubled and, and mixed up young man. Was he? Yeah. Is he? I, no, not at all. I mean, sulking, self-pitifying. I mean, not, not that at all. This man is not like that at all. He is positive, forward-thinking. And the thing is, PJ, you know, when she did that programme with Martin, with Martin Bashir... Yeah, that's controversial that now as well. Oh, obviously, you know, now it's turned out that it was all done fraudulently and there's going to be a massive inquiry into it. <clears throat> I think heads will roll over it. But having said that, that program was treacherous because when they split, the Prince of Wales wrote to every one of his friends and said, please do not say anything bad about Diana. She's my, the mother of my children. And no one did. And they were queuing up to, to, to badmouth Diana, some of them, I can tell you. They would love to have given her bucket loads, but they didn't because he begged them not to. Yeah, it'll be interesting and, to see and, how that investigation works out, I guess. Yeah, it really, oh, exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was it was just such a bad thing to do because he would refuse to do that. Yeah. But, you know, he was... Um, but, you know, he has been uh, an amazing Prince of Wales. I can't tell you that, how much work he does, PJ. I mean, yeah. you know, people think he just sits there playing backgammon all day, maybe drinking champagne. It's not him at all. Yeah. He's hard-working man. And what was she like, Arthur? And, and her portrayal Diana, in, the sh- in the show, yeah. Diana was a super lady. I mean, she broke the mould of the world. She came along and did it her way. From the moment they first did their first tour to Wales, she was engaged with the people, the people loved her. And when we got to Sydney in 1983, the crowds were so huge, I promise you, at the Opera House, you could not move. It was so many people there. And at Brisbane, they had to close the city. The people that were rushing in to see this woman. And, you know, there were just thousands and thousands of the same in Tokyo, 10 deep in Tokyo, not for one mile, but for mile after mile. Yeah. They were just there to see her. So she was a phenomenon, and she did change the way the royals worked. Yeah. And there was suggestion that the prince was envious of that. Well, you know, he made a few remarks about it and a few jokes about it. And it probably did affect him a bit, but... The fact is the royal family was now popular again. The royal family was now so popular, everybody wanted them in the papers. And I can remember a few years before that, the Queen and the Duke of Edinburgh went on a royal tour to Sweden and not one member of the media went with them. That's how they were becoming almost non-existent. But yeah. Diana, she, she reinvented it. They opened all the doors and windows up at Buckingham Palace and let a lot of fresh air flow in. And I promise you, the thing changed overnight with that woman. She yeah. was so engaging. The other portrayal of it in the programme is that her initial days after moving into the palace were very, very hard. And the show focuses a lot on, on her mental health and her bulimia and, and what one perceives as very bad treatment of her by the other members of the family. Prince of Wales got the best psychiatrist in the world, in the country, to come and see to her, look after her. I mean, he was going, every time he went into a, one of the bathrooms there, it was stunk of vomit, you know, and he was put up with all that. He was, he knew his wife wasn't well, and he got the best people, and, and she was cured. I mean, I remember going to Australia again with them in 86, and Diana looking painfully thin. Two years later, I went back and did the same sort of picture with the off-the-shoulder off dress, and she looked just fabulous. Yeah. So, you know, it was working. He was getting the treatment for her, and she did get cured of that. 
So, you know, there was a problem with that. But, you know, she was 19 when he met her. He was 30. Yeah. And, you know, there was a big age difference. And she loved going around Harrods and he loved hunting, shooting and fishing. Yeah. But, you know, some people can get over that. Well, there's something of a mismatch initially, Arthur. Well, probably different. They did have a lot of... um, lot of differences, you know, and as I say, you know, some people can't get over that, but they couldn't. I mean, he, she was happy walking, as I say, around the shops and, and, and trying on clothes and dresses, and he was quite happy yeah. going into the field with his, with his father and his brothers. Shooting and shooting, and fish. Yeah. Our, our own former president, Mary McAleese, who would have met the Queen, obviously, more than once, uh, she said she thinks that it must be a very difficult watch for Queen Elizabeth if she's watching it at all. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I was there at Dublin Castle when Mary McAleese made that amazing speech where the Queen was there. And the Queen made a really brilliant speech afterwards, which I thought was the most healing thing ever between our two countries. And, uh, and of course, they, they often when Mary McAleese come to London, she would have tea with the Queen. So they probably discussed it quite a lot. But, you know, I think, um, you know, a lot of depiction. The Duke of Edinburgh, he was hostile to Diana. You read the letters that Prince Philip wrote to Diana they were tender, warm, and loving. Mrs. Thatcher and the Queen. Mrs. The Queen went to Mrs. Thatcher's funeral. I was there. Yeah. I watched her face. She was really unhappy about that. I mean, the Queen and Mrs. Thatcher got on like a house on fire. They they were not. And the, and the Queen would never humiliate a guest. Whenever you go to as a guest of the Queen, you're told what to expect to wear. We'll be out on the moors. We'll be having a picnic on the moors. Wear you know flat shoes. But Mrs. Thatcher would never have been embarrassed like that. Yeah, there was an episode where she goes to visit them in Balmoral, and and yeah, it, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's you kind of say, would they have done that? No, of course not, not at all. I mean, the Queen is the most courteous person. I mean, I've met her several times now. I'm not sort of named up in here, but she is so courteous. She's so aware of what you do, and she's done all the research on you. And the Queen loves a bit of gossip, of course, and you know, so did Mrs. Thatcher. They would have loved chatting together two women you know what they're like when women to get together they, they don't stop and and they would have been like that they would have been really close uh, i i just feel that uh it, peter morgan you know should put on the program this is fiction based on a real family yeah and i think the people would understand that but what worries me pj more than anything is that young people will think this is what really happened yeah. young people would think this is how really charles treated diana honestly I was there. I saw it. He was so caring of that woman. He was so... I mean, I remember once we got out of hand at a polo match, you know, photographing her, and he came over and he berated us all on his horse. He said, please, leave her alone. You know, do not do that. He was very protective of her. Yeah. I, I can't tell you, that man is... You know, he's a hero of mine. I've worked with him for 44 years now. Yeah. I've been everywhere in the world with him, everywhere, many times. I've travelled with him. i travel on his plane with him. He is a decent, kind man and what he's done for me personally which i'm not going to discuss on the air now i can't tell you it's just amazing so i think you sound you sound like you're a little personally personally bruised by the the, well i think what i am is because he spent the last since diana died which is 23 years ago he spent 23 years to restoring himself getting back at public approval and his approval rating when when they when they divorced went to zero and now it's quite high. Now it's very popular back in the country, mainly because of Camilla. Camilla has just been so welcomed by the people here, so loved by the people here. I mean, she is just a lovely, lovely person. Yeah. And, and he is incredibly happy with her. Because he's happy, 
he's he's a better person himself. So yeah. I, I um, I'm um, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. I can't tell you we've got. <laughs> We've got a very healthy royal family at the moment. Your, your own Irish connections, Arthur, and your, your, your wife is from Cork, so you'd know oh, well Cork, that, yeah. th- that there mightn't be a lot of love lost for the, for the royal family here. Well, I saw the Queen in Cork, and I saw the biggest reception for her, all of Ireland. I went all round Ireland with the Queen. We went wherever she went, I went. But when we got to Cork, the people turned out for her. And that's the first walkabout she did in Cork, albeit it was very organised. But the people, I saw the people down down the South Mall, all cheering her down there. And there was huge turnout. And, you know, I went to see my wife's niece afterwards, and she said, oh, we so we were all excited about it. You know, we can't believe she came here. And people were. And I thought she was tremendous. And so, all right, there is a bit of, obviously... Britain, Ireland, you know, friction. But I well, don't think people drawing up anymore. here, for example, you know, Prince Charles being being the the head of the parachute movement, the honorary colonel of the parachute movement. You know, people bringing that up. Well, look, I don't know much about that, but I do know when I came to court with Prince Charles, the people were turned out for him. I remember going around the English market with him and Camilla. They loved him. They were everybody wanted to be there, be seen with him. Okay. Simon Coveney welcomed him. There was just a tremendous atmosphere. So, you know, I, I've been going to Cork for nearly 60 years now. In fact, this year, 60th year, where I first went. And I've been, I've been married to this lovely wife of mine for, for 59 years. And I, and I love the people there. I never forget the kindness they showed me when I first went over there. And so, you know, I don't believe that people are hostile to Britain. I don't believe any of that. I think, I think people see people as they are and uh, take them as they are. You had a significant birthday in August, by the way. Congratulations. I did, yeah. I was, yeah. And I was very proud to get to that age, you know, and I can't <laughs> tell you. And and uh, I can't wait to come back to Cork. You know, I keep ringing the Irish Embassy here. When can we go? When can we go? Yeah. They told me last week we only have to isolate for five days if we have a COVID test. So it's getting closer and closer. All right. Well, pop in and say hello next time you're here, Arthur. Thank you very much. Arthur Edwards, veteran uh, royal photographer from the Sun newspaper and someone who got closer to the royal family than, than most. And look, there's not a lot of love in the comments. Tom said this is laughable. He may be in their presence a lot, but he's talking like he knows every single conversation that went down. Khan said the Prince of Wales is also the honorary colonel of the parachute regiment that murdered 13 people in Derry, something he clearly had no problem with. Uh, caller says the man is making a saint out of Prince Charles. We don't have to be a close contact of the Crown to know that the royal family did harm that girl. He cheated on her, and he hurt her getting her help after the damage. And he hurt her getting her help after the damage was done wasn't enough. Margaret says this is ridiculous. Why is he making it out that Diana was just too much to deal with? I don't think he said that. Yes, the higher ups should not have let them ever marry, but they did Diana wrong. And let's not forget, Camilla never stepped back to let the marriage blossom. People have very polarised views on the British royal family's history. But in the view of the veteran photographer, one of the most senior royal photographers ever, the portrayal of it on Netflix 
isn't accurate and should be billed as fiction. Thanks, Arthur. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's Entertainment. The bars of Clonakilty have announced a new online series featuring over 20 eclectic actors including Mary Coughlin, Neve Regan, John Spillane, Crackboy Mental and Elaine Malone. Tickets for selected online shows are available now from Debarra's Bandcamp page, debarras.bandcamp.com. Access all areas. Following sold-out concerts for the last four years, the annual Cork Opera House Christmas concert goes online this year. This year's event will take a different format as the best in local Cork talent come together to sing a range of festive classics streamed live to your home this Christmas. Further details are available at corkoperahouse.ie. Access All Areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a rescheduled show coming up or any live streaming events by emailing aaa at 96fm.ie. Access All Areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083 396 96 On Cork's 96FM. Julie says Charles was wronged being forced into a marriage he didn't want. They should have just let Camilla marry him in the first place. A lot of hurt would have been avoided. Well, as we spoke to Marion Bailey, who was the Queen Mother on Netflix here a couple of weeks, she, the, it was the Queen Mother, kind of engineered that, and, and a few more besides. And it all went spectacularly wrong, as we know. But there's a, a, a Terry is amazed by the negativity of some of the commentary coming in. I, you know, let's not, let's not get our knickers in a twist here. The royal family is well thought of in Ireland. The crown is a huge success in this country. And I was down behind the counter in Pat O'Connell's the day that picture, that famous picture was taken. Standing behind the counter next to the photographer, watching what was going on. So every time I see that picture, I was standing looking at that picture being taken. The warmth of the people towards the royal family that day in Cork was something to behold. And don't at me about it. I know I was there. 1850-715-996. Now, UCC has been ranked as one of the most sustainable universities in the world. In fact, it's the only Irish university to get in the list and it's a big achievement for UCC. Dr. Darren Reedy is their Interim Sustainability Officer. Darren, good morning to you. Hi, good morning, PJ. Thanks for having me. Delighted. What does this actually mean? Um, so the University of Indonesia a number of years back started this ranking program called the World Green Metric Ranking for Universities. And essentially what they're doing is they have assessed over 900 universities throughout the globe on um, how they operate in terms of sustainability metrics. And so they look at things like landscape management, energy and climate change, water management, waste management, and also things like um, behavioural changes in our student population and teaching and learning practices and things like that. And so the UCC submits to this ranking system every year and um, basically we are transparent with everything that we do on campus and we submit to this ranking system and they come back to us and they tell us where we rank amongst all the rest of the universities in the world. The only Irish university in the top 10 
That's right, yes. Yeah. So um, DCU and University of Limerick rank also in the top 50, um, but we're very proud to be the only Irish university in the top 10. And it's interesting to note as well that um, most of the top 10 universities are European universities. Um, so despite it being a global assessment, it really goes to show that um, that Europe is leading forward in sustainability in education. Now, as sustainability officer, people will ask, what do you do? What's your job? Um, my job is very, very varied, and um, I'm part of a wider sustainability team here in UCC that's based primarily in the buildings and estates um, office, um, alongside with Maria Karan is the sustainability officer also. And um, basically, my role is really varied. We we work together with the university community to enable and support all of the different operations in the university. So we look at how the university operates in terms of its facilities management and working with the people that are responsible for that to um, make their operations more uh, environmentally friendly. But then we also look at how the um, academic strategy and the teaching and learning across the campus works and how we instill sustainability values into our students and graduates and also looking at um, research focus and that sort of thing. So the role is basically to enable that sustainability team throughout how the university operates. Well, clearly you and your colleagues are doing a fine job, and thanks for joining me on the Opinion Line. Dr. Darren Reedy, the Interim Sustainability Officer at UCC, ranked as one of the top ten most sustainable universities in the world. Must play our Christmas movie clip for you with Carib Oil. We'll be giving away those three 500 euro vouchers before quitting time today. Remember, looking for our fifth and final qualifier to go through with Carib Oil. Uh, you can buy more from CaribOil.com or Station Old Ballon College and contact them to get your home heating oil and all that. But here's the movie clip for today. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh my God! Santa here? I know him. What's the movie and your name? 083 396 96 96. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96 FM. 1857-15996, the number. The text to WhatsApp is 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. Twitter at opinionline96. And, of course, the Cork's 96FM Facebook page. Send us a message and mark it for the attention of the Opinion Line. Talking about people having to wait for medical appointments during the week. We just got this. Can you believe it, PJ? My dad had issues with his bloods last October. I had to wait until last week for an appointment. Bearing in mind now he's 75 and has serious medical problems. The GP practice rang this morning to cancel the bloods until January because the nurse isn't available. He's now waiting nine weeks for an appointment for bloods. Ah, yeah, that's that's how it is. That's how it is. Now, we will be talking before the end of the programme today about the burning of Cork, which happened 100 years ago today, December 11th in 1920. Uh, and the idea that we would talk about the burning of Cork on its centenary and talk about the Crown on the same programme has annoyed one or two people. 
Now, we just put that down to the concept of variety of the show. You're not impressed, John. Hello, good morning. Morning, Peter. Happy Christmas. And um, to you, bye, before you give out to me. Go on. Uh, I won't give out to that. Look, I think we know each other now well enough at this stage. You know, I think I know you know how I think, I know how you think. And I, I think that I would be right if I said you were a bit taken aback with the kind of comments that came in this morning. Were you, you were a bit surprised, were you? I wasn't, I wasn't. I know that every time you discuss The Crown, which, by the way, I love as a great uh-huh. television show, every time yeah. you discuss it, people start giving out about the fact that you're discussing it, and yet it is consistently in the top ten most watched things on Netflix in Ireland. Yeah, well, we'll have to acknowledge that. But I think uh, having it on today, when it's the anniversary of, uh, of the burning of Cork, no, that's nothing to be celebrated because it was a terrible atrocity. Mm-hmm. But we have to recognise the anniversary and that it did happen and the destruction and the name is possibly, PJ, the nearest we ever came to being involved in a world war and have our city being bombed. That's no doubt. the nearest we ever came, right? Now, you can imagine the terror that was inflicted on the city and the population of Cork on that night when people basically ran amok and yeah. did what they like. It's yeah. a miracle to God that like, there was more people killed. And we'll be right? talking about it with a, in a historical context and getting the story before we yeah, finish that's today. That's another thing, though. I mean, there's a lot of stuff up in line. But just like uh, Tom Barry and Kilmichael, which was uh, on the 28th of November, just gone, um, there was people who went to the plot outside in his grave, and they had ceremonies out there. But I found it very upsetting and off-putting, like in very annoying, that there are illustrious councillors and the city manager and people representing the council who are supposed to represent us had nothing as regards the, uh, the Tom Barry or the, uh, what happened. Many things have been cancelled this year, John, as a result of COVID-19, so it may well, well have just... When, when you can get a queue going around the block for certain chain stores, which I'm not going to give free publicity here this morning, right? Yeah. If you can have that, I can't see... But that's just down to the people who queue up. But I, I can't see, like, why the guys that wear the fancy robes and it suits them, right? Can't social distance in Patrick Street and have some kind of a solemn ceremony tonight uh, to mark the, this historic occasion. A fair point, and we have, we'll have one of those councillors on who also happens to be a, a fine historian before we finish. There is an event actually taking place online yeah, this online evening and organised by the City either. Council. Hmm? That's not good enough to me. See, the thing about it, John, is, and I agree where you're coming from, you know, it's important to do something, but I'll guarantee you this. You you say it's not enough for it to be online. I give you my absolute guarantee that if they did something down in Patrick Street, no matter how careful they were, someone else would be on saying, oh, in the middle of a pandemic, you can't be doing those kind of things. I I, I would suggest uh, that the majority of people of Cork wouldn't have any problem with it, and I'll finish on this as a guess. But I would also suggest that people of Cork, the majority of the people of Cork, don't have much problem with me talking about the Crown. Yeah, but just as regards the comments of Mary McAdee's made, isn't it amazing this woman that's on a pension of 250,000 a year for the rest of her life, right? The rest of her life. Has that got to do with anything? No, it's got to do with it because she's all concerned about the Queen because the Queen might be upset about a television programme where homeless people are dying in our streets. I'm sorry, Nick. That's what about her, John, is what that is. No, it's not, it's not, it's a connection. She she was asked her opinion on the show as someone who had met the Queen many times, which she had, and as took part in that historic occasion at Dublin Castle, where the Queen, for the benefit of of the historical hindsight, or, you know, for the benefit of it, she said, with the benefit of historical hindsight, there are things we would all have done differently. You you watched that, and I watched that. Mrs. McAleese sat next to the Queen that night, and she said that the, the 
the Crown would be a difficult watch for her. She gave a personal opinion on, on a television well, I, I, show. I, I, I prefer she gave her personal opinion and maybe some of her 250,000 turf. That's what about her, John, is what that no, is. Not, it's, it's, it, it is what about her. It's a fact. It, it, that's like saying that she can't talk about anything else except the homeless. Well, I mean, the thing is, I mean, if you're going to be commenting on a television programme like what people are doing in our streets and you're earning a quarter of a million as a pension, I'm sorry, that the jury's out. So you don't have an opinion on anything else while there are people on the streets? Say again? You, sh- you can't have an opinion on anything else while there are people on the streets? Well, I suggest she might get her priorities right. But if we are, and I'm not just right? defending her here, but if we ask her about people uh, living in homelessness... Then she'd answer that question, I assume. But on that but, particular but, occasion, she was well, being asked well, about the crown. Well, well, of course, let's be honest. I mean, I always believe, like, I mean, that it's an honour to become the president of this Tis. country. And I think Tis. you should get paid while you're the president, right? But after that, you should have no pensions whatsoever. Well, that's a whole other discussion in itself, and many people would agree with you. John, thanks. Good to have you back. 1850 Ah, Anybody will talk about the burning of Cork a little bit later on. There are some marvellous events happening online these days. Marvellous concerts and gigs uh, uh, from local um, artists and bands to internationals. I watched last Saturday night, for example, myself and the boys sat down to watch. I paid, I think, 18 euro to watch uh, Liam Gallagher in concert on a barge on the River Thames, and it was absolutely great. And and this week, uh, coming up, very, I'm going to be looking forward to watch an event at the Guinness Storehouse. It's a concert that will be beamed across the globe. It's called The Other Voices, Home at the Christmas Storehouse. It's on Wednesday the 16th of December. And one of those taking part in it will be our own Jack O'Rourke from Cork. So we'll catch up with him uh, very, very soon. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, we will catch up with Jack O'Rourke. If not today, then definitely before the concert at the storehouse. Busy, busy man. 1850-715-996. If you walk downtown right now, um, or any time up to Christmas, you'll see many, many things that are traditional in Cork, one being the share crib when they eventually get out onto the streets for their collection. You'll hear the rattle of boxes for the share collection. Uh, and you will see a magnificent Christmas tree, a huge Christmas tree that will be bedecked with thousands and thousands of ribbons by Christmas Eve. It is the Rotary Tree of Remembrance, and it's been on the streets in Cork City for many, many, many years. Tom Woodward from Rotary Club, how many years has it been up there? Good morning. Morning, PJ. It's hard to believe it's 18 years. Wow. 80 years. 18 years. 18 years. Yeah, we started off back in 2002. 
and uh, we didn't have a clue what we were doing. <laughs> we, I, had, I had this idea about three o'clock in the morning. We put a shed there, we put up the banding, we didn't have a clue what we were doing. Didn't expect it to grow as big as it has. It's become a central part of the Christmas landscape in Cork. Yeah, it has, with, and, and more and more ribbons on it every day. What's it for, Tom? Uh, it's basically to give people an opportunity to remember their loved ones at Christmas. Uh, they can come up, write a ribbon or message on a yellow ribbon, uh, remembering their loved ones, put their own private message on it. We put those ribbons up onto the tree. And as Christmas gets closer, the tree gets yellower and yellower. Uh, so it's a, it's, it's a simple way of remembering people in the middle of the Christmas rush, basically. Now, something that you can't do this year, Tom, well, you can't really, is go up and get the ribbon and write it yourself and put it up. So you've taken it into, the, into cyberspace this year. We've taken it into cyberspace. There is an app we have developed. It's the Rotary Tree of Remembrance app. You can download it from all the Play Stores and etc. Uh, and you can select your tree, select your city, select your tree, and select your uh, message. Uh, you can make a donation if you wish, um, which is greatly received. And every penny goes to charity, Cork Charity. Right. Talk to me a little bit about the work of Rotary, Tom. What do you do? Uh, we do an awful lot quietly. Um, we're not good at promoting ourselves or bragging as such, which we don't do. But we do do a lot with the tree now, would be our biggest uh, project in Cork. But we have kids out, where we bring kids out uh, and to the Musgrave Park, let them play. There would be the kids from Lota, bring them to, um, to McDonald's, things like that. They love that. We, on the national scale, were very much involved in dams for Africa and water uh, for Africa. And internationally, which is quite amazing and very humbling, Rotary has got rid of polio. Oh, tell me more. <clears throat> a long project. We, Rotary International was the driver, bringing all agencies together, the UN Health, etc., etc. And basically, Rotarians go to areas, the last few now were in Pakistan and in Nigeria, and give drops to the kids to stop polio. And polio has all but been eradicated from the planet. And that's marvellous, marvellous. And, and it's great to be a part of an organisation that does that, isn't it, Tom? It is. It's humbling. It's uh, very much a social aspect as well. People have great friendships in Rotary. Uh, before the pandemic, we used to meet once a week. Now we're doing it on Zoom and we have a better attendance, actually. <laughs> and uh, every club has its own project, its own sort of profile, its own personality. All right. Well, listen, congratulations once again on the Tree of Remembrance. And here's hoping that it, it, it just is as big and successful as always. Give me the name of that app again before I let you go. It's the Rotary Tree of Remembrance app. Rotary Tree. And remember, if yeah. you don't mind, I just mentioned the charities this year. Every penny is going to be being split between Marymount Hospice, Bernardo's, and Down Syndrome Cork. Three very, very worthy causes. Thank you, Tom. Tom Woodward, the Rotary Tree of Remembrance is down there now, and you can get their app if you don't feel safe going in to actually put a ribbon on the tree. You can do it that way. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. On Christmas Day, Cork's 96FM wants to bring you a little closer to those who can't make it home. Here we go. Ho, ho, ho. You make every day feel like Christmas. Join Shane Bucks from 11am for our Christmas Day Cracker. We want to speak to your nearest and dearest, wherever they are in the world. So, if you know someone who's up for a chat, then get in touch. Email the details to reception at 96fm.ie. The Christmas Day Cracker from 11am, only on Cork's 96FM. 
This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM. Coming up, we will be talking about the burning of Cork, which happened a hundred years ago this very day, the 11th of December, 1920. And at one point, before we finish, I'll be talking to a man whose family has a connection stretching right back to that day. But all this week, we've been giving you the chance with Corrib Oil to win a 500 euro gift card with three of them to give away around about 5 to 12 it's a perfect practical gift for anyone this Christmas Corrib Oil is your local low cost home heating oil supplier you can buy it at CorribOil.com or at Station Old Ballancolic or you can win it here on the Opinion Line we've a quote from a Christmas movie we've had a different quote every day play it for you a few times and then you guess the name of the movie and send us that and your name to 083 396 96 We'll draw a qualifier and then that qualifier will draw will join our other four qualifiers from Monday to Thursday and three of them will walk away with 500 euro Corrib oil gift cards before quitting time today. Here is your Friday movie. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming in town. Santa! Oh, my God! Santa here? I know him. There you go. Tell me the movie. Tell me your name. 083 396 96 96. <laughs> well, I went from being not a lot of love in the room for me talking about the crown or not a lot of love in the room for Prince Charles as portrayed by, by Arthur Edwards to poor old John. Jerry's been on now and said, could someone just shut him up? He lives in the past. 1857-15996。我就是那首新歌,Open Everybody knows a turkey and some mistletoe will help to make the season bright. Tiny tots with their eyes all aglow will find it hard to sleep tonight. They know that sad. On his way, he's loading lots of toys and goodies on his sleigh. And every mother's child is gonna spy to see if reindeers really know how to fly. So I'm offering. This simple phrase To kids from 1 to 92 Though it's been said Many times, many ways And every Christmas too
with reindeers Really know how to fly So I'm offering this simple phrase To kids from one to ninety-two Though it's been said many times, many ways And Merry Christmas Merry Christmas Merry Christmas to Lovely. Ah, lovely. That's Gavin James. Christmas song, Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire. On Cork's 96 FM. So 100 years ago today, with the burning of Cork. And it is talked about to this day and commemorated on this day. And Kevin Higgins, your family has a very specific connection to the burning of Cork. Your your is it your great grandfather was one of the firefighters. Morning, PJ. Um, yeah, my great grandfather and my great great grandfather were both firefighters in Cork in uh, December 1920, right. and were on duty for the burning of Cork. And would you have? Memories of talking to them about it? Um, not to them. They would have been. Uh, they would have passed away um, by the time I was born. But the firefighting continued from them. My grandfather then went into the Cork County Fire Service, where he was um, second officer in charge of training. My uncle then, uh, John, also John, um, was in the City Brigade um, from the mid seventies up to the mid nineties, um, and then I followed them um, into the brigade in two thousand and one. So there would have been stories passed on from generation to generation, um, stretching back to 1888. What uh, kind of things did you hear about that terrible night? Um, The stories that were passed on were, I suppose a lot of them have been well documented, but um, harassment for the whole night seemed to be the main theme, PJ. Um, Hoses being shut off, the hydrants being switched off, um, bayonets being used to slash hoses, leaving the firefighters in the buildings then with no water. Yeah. Um, my great great grandfather was actually burnt in the face and hands um, some months before the burning of Cork um, for that very reason the, the water supply that he was fighting the fire with was shut off um, and he got burnt on his face and hands he spent some time in hospital um, but that was the team around the time um, and it continued on the, the night of the 11th of December 1920 um, when, when the same um, hassle applied they were harassed basically for the whole night while they were trying to go about uh, their considerable amount of work Yes, yes. And and the very thought of places that we now look upon every day being on fire and being reduced to rubble and not just big bi- businesses, but loads of small businesses and small outlets. It's a miracle that more people weren't seriously killed and injured or seriously it's injured am- and killed. It's amazing, PJ. Um, like, um, from what I've um, managed to find out, there was about 57 businesses destroyed um, in the burning of Cork, mostly the south side of Patrick Street. Um, but there was also 2,000 people out, out of work as a result of all the businesses that, were, that right. had to close down. Um, and that doesn't even include, then there was another 20 or 30 buildings um, damaged, looted, um, you know, wrecked um, over the course of the night. Because they were um, looted before they were burnt. Correct, yeah. Um, 
one of the stories passed on as well from my family was uh, was of soldiers um, happily parading around the street with um, uh, jewellery and valuable goods like that that they'd pillaged from um, from all the local businesses before then going in to, to set them on fire with jerry cans of petrol. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose, like you said, the, the people who were there, your your relatives who were there on the night had passed away by the time you came into the world. But but what the stories they passed up the line, was there a bitterness there afterwards? How did they... How do you come back from something like that, having been involved in something so horrific? I don't think there was a bitterness per se, PJ. Um, very much the tradition that's been passed on is that firefighting by its nature is, is apolitical. Um, there's, a, there's a job to be performed uh, and a job to be done. Um, and, and I don't think there was resentment. There was, there was more of a determination to just to help out, to try to uh, prevent the damage from being worse. Um, and I think that tradition has continued in, in, in every fire service. Um, you look at the north of Ireland during the 70s and 80s, um, the fire brigade were apolitical. They, they didn't um, judge people by what class or what side of the divide they were on. They responded to incidents as they as they rose. And that continues today, um, even with ourselves. Yes, like we don't, absolutely, absolutely. We tend not to judge and point fingers. You, you tweeted a wonderful photograph. Describe what I'm looking at here. Um, the photo you're talking about is a photo from 1913 um, of the, the staff of Cork Fire Brigade. There was maybe 12 to 15 in, in total only at that time who, who were on duty constantly. They didn't really have a day off. They, they lived in the station or in the, or in the streets around, which was around Sullivan's Quay at the time. Um, and in that picture then you have my great-great-grandfather, Patrick Higgins, uh, and then you have my great-grandfather, Martin Higgins, his son, um, who, who had both started. So Patrick had started in 1888 and his son Martin followed him in uh, 1897. And is it um, is it which one of them is sitting down which one of them is standing up? Uh, back right is Pat Higgins um, at the far right and kneeling down at the front left is, is um, Martin Higgins. That's the photograph I imagine that, that fills you with pride. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Especially when, when Martin's son John, as I said, went on to serve in the county and his son John, my uncle, served in the city and then myself. Um, yeah, it's it, it's always been a part of my history and a part of my my story, I suppose, um, yeah. since I since I can remember. Well, how long are you firefighting, Kevin? Uh, it'll be twenty years next year, I think. Oh well, that'll be something to celebrate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose, yeah, yeah. Maybe uh, if, if we're allowed at this stage with COVID, I know, and all that. I know. And it's in the family since eighteen eighty eight. Eighteen eighty eight between Cork City and Cork County. Yeah. Wow, that is that is quite remarkable. Well, thank you and those before you for for your service, Kevin. Thanks, PJ. Thank you. Um, could I mention one thing, PJ? Indeed. Um, Pat Poland uh, is is the oracle of firefighting history in, in Cork. Uh, and I think today of all days, he deserves a special mention. He has two books, if anyone is looking for more information on the history of the fire brigade um, in Cork. Uh, they're well worth a read. And also, um, if I could take a quick opportunity there, Please. it's coming up to Christmas. I'd like to um, ask everyone to make sure that they look at our website and see what kind of fire safety tips we have. Um, it's, a, it's a time of year where people light, are lighting fires and candles yeah. and people have extra plugs um, so I'd like to just ask people to maybe check their smoke alarm okay. not overload sockets and just be careful when they're yeah. um, using fires and lighting candles and maybe a bit Christmas. closer to time we might catch up again with, 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 um, with, with someone at the fire service to talk in more detail about that but thank you for bringing it to our attention as always uh, your cousin Mary's on WhatsApp well done to our cousin Kevin Higgins and all the firefighters who keep our city and county safe and so see all of us that's Kevin Higgins
uh, whose great-grandfather and great-great-grandfather were on duty the night of the burning of Cork. Let us go to local councillor and historian, uh, Kieran McCarthy, who runs the Cork Historical Walking Tours. Kieran, you know, for, for younger listeners and, and those who, who might not know a whole lot about it, what was the, the burning of Cork? How did it happen? Who did it? And what do we know? Good morning to you. Hi, hi PJ. How are you? Um, thanks for having me on. Um, I suppose it's a huge event in Cork history anyway. I mean, of all the events, all the, of all the events that I remember, this is one of the events. So, like, like Cork City's history doesn't remember everything. It, I mean, we did actually have a burning of Cork in 1620s, but no one remembers that. The burning of Cork from 100 years ago... Um, I suppose it's still in living memory to a degree as in relatives are still around. Um, so basically, late September 1920 onwards, um, the ambushes on the streets, the War of Independence began to escalate. Um, and also, coupled with that, you've got like the, the hunger strike of Terence McSweeney coming to a, a tragic end. You've got things like Bloody Sunday, Kim Michael Ambush that, that John mentioned earlier on. Um, you've got Sinn Féin clubs kind of targeted. And then you've got a lot of arson being used as well, actually. But like a week and a half before the burning of Cork, like there were attempts to burn down City Hall and buildings on Park Street, but those fires were actually put out. But it was, I mean, it was only a matter of time when something really big was going to happen. Um, so like on, on Saturday evening, the 11th of December, so at half seven, people were going about their, their daily business in the Dillon's Cross area, um, and a, an IRA company um, ambushed a, a um, RIC auxiliaries um, at Dillon's Cross. Um, and actually, interesting this morning, it was up at the unveiling of a new plaque um, to that ambush uh, and the, the relatives of um, Sean Kenny, who was the IRA volunteer who stopped the ambush and blew a whistle and the, the auxiliaries were attacked. But there was, there was a plaque unveiled this morning. It was great actually to meet the two sons of, of Sean Kenny, who are still alive. Um, so that's, and that, that kick-started a lot of things. There was um, the retaliation then by the RAC, um, especially the auxiliaries, the, the mix of the black and tans in them. Yeah. And then you, you've got buildings set alight in St. Luke's. You've got a tram car that was like people were told, get off the tram car, get up against the wall. And the tram car was sent into town to Park Street where it was burnt out by auxiliaries there. Um, and then very much from half ten onwards, um, like fires are being, like 8.30 onwards, you've got fires kind of being lit um, in Patrick Street. So it, sta- it starts with grants and then um, another fire then is kind of um, is Munster Arcade and then to Cashes and then most of the block around Cashes goes up in flames. So yeah. you, and you're talking like 27 hours of burning. I mean, you've had Kevin on there. I mean, his, his grandfather had to deal with yeah. Being, on, being on duty for 27 hours trying to fight this, these fires that actually spread. And when uh, they did try to fight them, the hoses were cut. Yeah, we have, we have witness statements. Um, so if there was two IRA, well, well one IRA volunteer that actually went into town to, to collect witness statements because he had an ongoing project for the IRA. Um, so, so a gentleman called Seamus Fitzgerald. And he actually published uh, the, kind of a pamphlet of these witness statements then uh, about two months later um, in association with like, Alfred O'Rahilly and UCC, who was a professor. Both of them were, were Sinn Féin members. Um, and so, yeah, within the witness statement then we get the account of um, Alfred Hudson and the fire brigade and yeah, that those bayonets being stuck in hoses and they couldn't do their job and that this K company, this auxiliary company, were out of control. They were drunk. They were reckless. Um 
Uh, and basically, the, I suppose there was five acres of buildings burned out. I mean, Kevin mentioned like 2,000 people lost their jobs, like yeah. 100, 100 businesses lost. Um, it, it's just like for one 12 hour period, the, dam- the amount of damage that was actually done. It's like our, us thinking about like today, like things a normal day in, in town bar, bar COVID, and that yeah. we this evening, like half our main street was burnt out. And we wake up the following morning going, What has just happened? I'm looking down actually from the window here in Studio One and looking down at what, what, what it's now Brown Thomas, but Caches and Munster Arcade, and you can see down beyond. And to think of all of those in flames on a on, on the evening in December. Yeah, and it's interesting, I mean, the, the, in the northern side of Park Street, so the, the Dunn Store side, I mean, much of that was, that, that didn't go on fire, so much of that side actually has a, has a, a gorgeous set of 1820s, 1830s building, buildings, and then on the other side, then you've got the, I suppose the former Debenhams, the the Brown Thomas store, the Pennies, they were all kind of rebuilt as the 1920s kind of progressed. Yeah. Um, and also, I mean, interesting enough, like we've so many pictures from that time as well. Like you even have um, the footage that the Irish Broadcasting um, Corporation actually have online of the burning, and you can see people the following morning like climbing across the rubble and the ruins. You can see you can see kids kind of bringing in their their wooden carts trying to pick up stuff, and there's accounts as well the following morning of the people who were really impoverished in the city trying to loot the shops and the, the RAC, the general RAC, had to keep the people back and try to help the people recover. So you can imagine just the, the fallout in the days that are that, that actually after the event and the Indeed. debates in City Hall that went out, went on going, how do we actually rebuild the city and what do we need and where do we get finance and what about the insurance claims? And um, like it was in our time, like you'd have hours and hours and hours and days and days and days of interviews with people. Um, and, and the interviews there, there's so many hours. There's hours, so there's hours of interviews that are played out and across the mm-hmm. examiner at the time, the Evening Echo, and the two major kind of newspapers. Um, yes. yeah, what was so the casualty <laughs> toll, Kieran? Uh, nobody died. We we're just really, really lucky. Like That's nobody true. died. No, there was at Dillon's Cross. Um, there was uh, an auxiliary officer that was killed in the ambush. Um, but for, like, yeah, it's amazing that actually no one died. Now I have to say, like there were people that were living above the shops on Park Street that were burnt out, and like they were in the midst of the fires. They were told get out by the fire brigade. They were they were told get out by the RAC. Um, and so we have accounts as well, like of people moving around the streets, like refugees trying to look for shelter, and people trying to find local hotel spaces. Um, so, and what's interesting is that we, I mean, you, you actually asked a question to Kevin there, like, uh, what was the reaction like mm. by, the, by the people on the streets? That one of, like, we don't really have that kind of big reaction actually recorded. What we have is the narrative of the burning of the city, like step by step and kind of hour by hour and that people were standing in a certain corner and this is what they actually saw. But we don't really have how do people actually feel about this event. Um, did it galvanise people to become more involved in the war of independence? Did it galvanise people to become more involved in politics and kind of supporting business? Like we, we've got this, these kind of sporadic accounts in the Chamber of Commerce and kind of City Hall and what their perspective was. Yeah. But you can imagine like a hundred a hundred businesses, like a um, hundred owners of businesses wake up the following morning and go on, where is my business? Like, yeah. where do I actually get funding for this now? How am I supposed to restart? It's like the closing of the, of the businesses kind of earlier on this year with COVID and people kind of going, well, is the government going to support me? I can't just close um, and just reopen. So 
Yeah, so and what's interesting in the days that following that some businesses um, they actually set up their own kind of timber huts on the plots that they actually occupied. Um, I think you also have to imagine like some of the buildings that were burned down were three, four story buildings. So each one yeah. of the stories actually had a business. Wow. Um, so yeah, no, it's, it's an incredible story. It really is. Um, and what all, I mean, and just to say to PJ as well, what's also interesting is it really led the city to, an, um, I don't know, a new debate about itself as well, kind of in the years that followed. I mean, mm. your show, you always talk about like housing and public health and kind of planning for the future and mm. like, where is the economy going and the architecture of the city? Like, it, like we, there's loads of accounts of the city kind of going through all those phases of thinking, um, in the, especially from the mid to late 1920s and um, these demands for, I mean, the, I, I told you that like the image, there's so many images of the impoverished actually climbing across the rooms. Um, yeah. And people kind of, were looking at the pictures kind of going, these people deserve better than that. Um, so there was new social housing crazes in Capitol Road and Turner's Cross and Grana Brother and these fantastic areas of the city, they're very kind of proud communities. So there was some, re- there, was, there was positive things that kind of came out of the event. Yeah. Um, but the, the first 10 years after the event was, was fairly heavy going. The, the immediate five years after was fairly heavy going to try to get the compensation funding from Westminster. And then you had like, the civil war and you had like, the, the, the um, anti-pro treaty and just the politics got really bogged down. And you know, when you look back at it, Kevin, and, and you think of the, the political toing and froing of today, we, we kind of have it easy, don't we? Yeah, but what was interesting, just, I mean, rising out of that, I mean, 1922, 1924, the the businesses in the city got fed up with the toing and froing of the council. Like, they couldn't, they couldn't draw down, the council had a finance committee and the finance committee were trying to draw down funding from the Irish Free State Government and the business actually just got fed up and they actually set up their own political party, like the Cork Progressive Association. Um, and they, these businesses then um, went to town and the local councillors going, you're toing and froing, some of you are for the treaty, some of you are against the treaty, but you're not looking after the business of the city, you're not yeah. looking after the people, you're not listening to the people. And eventually they managed to get the, the council actually dissolved in 1924. And there was a new, there was a city commissioner brought in, Philip Monaghan. Yeah. And then he, he actually then used the compensation money for the City Hall and Carnegie Library um, burning um, during the night. So that, that, that's course. how and he came to be. And he's got a lecture named after him now in UCC every year. Yeah, yeah. Um, A.O. Quinlevin, who's got a, a book out on the Lord Mayor, who was present at the time, Don Logo Callaghan. Um, but I mean, it's it's amazing like that, that people just got fed up with the politicking. Um, and yeah. Philip Monaghan was put into place by the Department of Local Government and the Irish Free State Government. And then Philip Monaghan was like, we don't need a new city hall for councillors to sit in. Let's invest the money into, let's say, Capital Road. Let's do a... The, one of the first um, plans for the city was in 1926, um, like in terms of development plans. And they mapped out all the slums and they said, look, the, a one-ninth of 80,000 people need to be moved. So like 10,000 people, he said, like they're living in diabolical conditions. There's another 10,000 people like living in houses that are falling down Barrack Street, Shandon Street. Then these slums need to be cleared. So there were these really interesting narratives that began to emerge. Like one of the things I did during lockdown, or my lockdown project was actually to read the, read the Cork Examiner from 1920s to 1929, go through every period and kind of see what, what, what sort of city emerged over the... I suppose the ten years after the burning of Cork, and it's just a, it became a really interesting place. Yeah. Um, but but it's, I've I've always said about the city, it's such a resilient city. Oh, yeah. you know, like I, 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 mean, I listen to your program every morning. You listen to the stories of the people, 
um, and they're resilient and all this. It's 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 a, it's a great little city. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you think back to the events of you, you think back to events of a hundred years ago today. It gives you some insight into how and why we are as resilient as we are as a people, and how when, as I often say, we come out for our own. No one is like us in the world. Kieran, thank you so much for your insight. That's Councillor Kieran McCarthy, of course, the city councillor and uh, historian, director of the Cork Historical Walking Tours, looking back in the events of 100 years ago today. Now, I promised to give John O'Leary a quick mention. John, good morning to you. Morning, PJ. How are you? Good. You want to tell me about a CD that is out? Yeah, it's a CD called Cork 1920, A City in Flames. Okay. The CD is a joint initiative between myself and John Murphy and is funded by the Cox City Library and Cox City Council. Right. It came about from a song that John wrote called The Boy from Paul Duff, which tells the story of um, John Murphy's life and death. Right. And the fact that it was largely overshadowed. Yes, it was, by McSweeney and McCartan, yeah. 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 So we decided, I, I asked John, would he be able to write a number of new and original songs yeah. so to, to set up a CD and he came up with 10 songs Great. Yeah, two songs provided by Gifford Jury and Tim O'Leary and that's out now and it's in aid of the charity Alana's Butterfly Life and where can people get it John? you can contact me at 87 Okay. All right. Thank you for that. Good to give you an opportunity to mention it. The new CD is out. Cork 1920, A City in Flames, marking this 100th anniversary of the burning of Cork. And you can contact John and all proceeds going to the charity Alana's Butterfly Life. A hundred years ago today, when you think about the resilience of the people back then, we're weaklings compared to them, you know. The Opinion Line on Quartz 96 FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. This is Quartz Gold. Imro award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083 396 On Quartz 96 FM. Right, a lot to do before we head off for the weekend. Let us go first of all to, she was there, Terry C, can you get her back to me? Uh, we were looking to know what movie this is. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Santa here? I know him. Yeah, that was our last qualifier with, uh, uh, with Cara Boyle. She's there. Gronya. Hi, What's you? the movie? It's Elf. It's Elf. All right. It's Elf, and you're in Ardenguiha, Spur Hill. You're our fifth and final qualifier, Gráinne, and in about five minutes' time, you have a one in five, ch- or a three in five chance of winning our 500 euro voucher with Cara Boyle. So ha- hang on. Hold on to your hat. You'll find out very, very soon. Before we do that, uh, for this week's Fiona Gets Festive, F- Fiona's been looking at the price of Turk or the sale of turkeys in Cork. Uh, she was speaking to a couple of free-range turkey farmers, some turkey sellers in the English market, and some customers about what they'll be having two weeks today and around this time. 
Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without the food and here in Ireland we love our turkey. Last year we spent over 13 million euro on turkey at Christmas and orders for this year are flying high. So the orders have been very strong this year and people started ordering in August this year which was um, unprecedented because of the year that's in it but I think people wanted to get rid of this year as fast as they possibly could. Denise Healy of Healy's Free Range Turkeys in Carrick Navarre has orders for more than 1,000 turkeys. She says people are looking for good quality meat this year. I think since lockdown people kind of... um, have started cooking good quality food again and have gone back to their local butchers, mm. which, you know, which is fantastic because people appreciate Irish, good quality Irish food. Um, that, that turn needed to come. And are people really looking for smaller turkeys this year? I went to the English market and asked Tom Durkin of Tom Durkin Meats and Tim Mulcahy of the Chicken Inn. That's not just talk, that is a fact. Everyone wants small turkeys, which we're struggling to get. Again, our, sm- our turkey orders... A lot of them are in already. I suppose people are realising as well that there is a bit more value in the turkey um, where like a six, a nice six kilo turkey would feed seven or eight adults. Um, whereas before people were conscious, they just wanted a big turkey. I also spoke to some customers about what's on their menu this Christmas. Do you know what? For the first time in 30 years, we've been invited out. But um, I suppose usually we would have, if, if we had been at home, it would have been probably the traditional turkey but it didn't stop us from having um, lamb on other occasions you know my husband would love roast beef but it's turkey and ham and that's it and spiced beef and what is it about turkey and ham and spiced beef that you love it's about the only time i ever do it traditional christmas dinner um turkey ham all the trimmings and then trifle afterwards for dessert have tried anything else? Um, I lived in Japan for a number of years, so on Christmas we ha- usually had sushi or sashimi, so it was something different. What was that like? Did you miss the turkey and ham? Yeah, just a little bit, yeah, but you got used to it after three or four years, so, you know, it was very nice coming back and having my first Christmas dinner again, so I really enjoyed that. We do carp, with a potato salad, then cabbage soup, with a sausage, Slovakia. Traditional Christmas dish, then? Yes, it is, yeah. I am chef, but I never did turkey. We did goose, but uh, yeah, so which is very big. And it was only for two person, so we had like uh, too much for too too many days. And we don't have such a big oven as well. So this is why. uh, Turkey or this type of things are not like like super suitable for us. Tim Mulcahy has some tips on getting the perfect turkey. In my opinion, is not to overcook it. Uh, there's one way to ensure you don't overcook a turkey, and that's use the uh, temperature probe. And I cooked the turkey until it got to 80 degrees. Uh, I don't know how long that took, because I wasn't interested in time. All I was interested in is uh, temperature. And it worked out very well. I melted a pound of butter. I got some muslin and I soaked the muslin in the melted butter and I just laid the muslin on top of the turkey and I got a beautiful golden finish. Nice buttery flavour on the top of the turkey. And for a turkey producer like Denise, what does she enjoy most about the business? Oh my God, um, it's just a bit of banter at Christmas. It's my Christmas. I love the banter. I love meeting people. I grew up with it at home myself, so my parents started me on this um, <laughs> trend of, of turkey farming. Um, so I suppose I owe it to them, uh, even though I cursed it when I was younger, and here I go now. But I absolutely love the banter at Christmas. It's, it's my Christmas. My teeth are drowning for the want of a bit of turkey and ham. Two weeks today. Thanks, Fiona, for Fiona getting festive. 
on Cork's 96 FM. All right, with Cora Boyle, I have a list of five people and I'm going to take three numbers, two, three and four. So we go, Claire Colland on Manway, Adele O'Flynn, Middleton, Vanessa Kelly, Drimmer League. All of our Caraboyle vouchers headed your way. And thanks to Caraboyle for being with us for the week. We've had a lot of fun with our Christmas movies. Before I let you go, a man who has departed this building for bigger things within the organisation, and that is Steve Hayes. He did his first radio show in Cork, I would have said it would be the middle 80s on a station called ERI and Steve Hayes leaves Cork today to go back to Dublin to start a different job within this organisation and uh, wish you well on your way man, wish you well on your way Yank (laughs) That's it, the programme edited by Terry Brennan, produced and researched by Katie O'Keefe podcast will be up in the afternoon, repeat in the wee small hours. Have a good weekend. Stay safe. Follow the rules. Two weeks to Christmas. You don't want to be sick and you don't want anyone else to get sick. Follow the rules. And we'll talk to you on Monday morning just after nine.